0: Chapter 22 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. The Storm. The door opened, and the boys fairly fell in with it. They were drenched through and disgruntled. Huh! Such a night! Roy reached for a towel and rubbed his face until it glowed. Nice sort of welcome to give a fellow, I must say. Betty was regarding Alan anxiously. You are soaked through, dear, she said, and you already had a cold. Next thing you know, Alan, said the grinning Frank, she will be asking you why you didn't wear your rubbers. This made them all laugh, and they felt better. Molly suggested that they light a fire in the dining-room grate, so that they might dry out a little. The boys accepted the suggestion eagerly, and set to work energetically. They soon had a cheerful fire lighted, using wood the girls had gathered earlier in the week, and huddled over it, spreading out their hands to the grateful warmth. They had caught up what articles of clothing seemed to be at hand when awakened by the storm, and though they were respectably dressed, they were not as the boys themselves ruefully admitted altogether at their best, Russian refugees at an American relief station giggled, irene, pointing to the sudden group before the fire. My, but they do look sad if you are not extremely careful, young lady, Roy threatened, we may not be the only sad ones in the party, as the boys dried out a little, their cheerfulness returned. They drew up chairs before the fire for the girls and themselves. It was cosy there, and seemed all the cosier because of the moaning of the wind about the house and the creaking of ancient timbers. Lucky we got rid of the ghost this morning, Grace drawled as she stretched her slippered feet closer to the warmth. Can't you imagine us lying there shivering and listening to this wind last night, girls? There was a chorus of lazy protests. "'Why remind us of those dreadful times now past and gone?' came from Stella. "'It seems incredible to me now that we ever allowed ourselves to be frightened by that silly rocking chair,' Molly remarked. "'It wasn't the rocking chair. It was what sat in it, or rather what didn't,' chuckled Stella. The boys listened with interest. While Will had been off in the woods with Amy, the rest of them had learned the details of the girl's ghostly experience.' Since then, Will had learned of it, and was, like the rest, intensely interested. "'The only thing I object to,' he said now, "'was the fact that you were inconsiderate enough to kill off your ghost before we got here. "'You might at least have given us a hack at him.' "'I imagine from the way we were feeling yesterday morning,' Grace chuckled, "'that you might have had several hacks at him and welcome. "'As they talked, the girls were aware that the wind had increased in volume.' it roared around the house with the force of a gale they felt uneasy and restless and several times approached the window to look out into the storm-swept night it begins to look as if we would have to fix up those back bedrooms in some fashion after all said molly at last you boys will never be able to get your tent up again to-night she had scarcely spoken when there came a rending tearing jar that shook the house to its foundations then, before anyone could move or cry out, smoke began to roll into the room in suffocating clouds. Those still about the fireplace staggered away from it, hands over eyes, making instinctively for the windows. Alan flung one of these open. Others followed, but still the suffocating smoke poured into the room. "'The chimney!' gasped Molly, a hand over her stinging eyes. "'It must have blown down! Someone put out the please, and stop that awful smoke!' The boys were already at work deadening the fire in the grate. In a few moments they headed out and the smoke began gradually to clear from the room. But in opening the windows to let out the smoke, they had also let in the wind and rain. "'Let's try to make those two back rooms habitable, girls,' said Molly. "'You can see this storm will last out the night, and we certainly can't sit up and wait for it.' "'Especially when we haven't any fire,' sighed Irene. I wonder what really did happen anyway. Part of the chimney blew down, probably, Alan answered. As soon as morning comes, we'll scout around and see just how much damage has been done. With Betty's help, the outdoor girls soon made the dreary back rooms into respectable camping quarters for the night. In fact, the boys declared them palatial quarters when compared to their dreary rain slept camp in the woods. "'I hate to get up in the morning, honest,' admitted Roy, as the girls said good-night for the second time. "'I hate to think what may have happened to that tent. However, the tardy sunlight of the next morning revealed less damage to the camp than the boys had feared. The tent ropes had come loose from two of the stakes, but the canvas being made of durable stuff and seasoned to rough weather was untorn and the contents of the tent intact. "'Not so bad,' said Roy contentedly. We'll set her up again and be all ready for next weekend. Since the boys were to start back to town on the late afternoon train, it was decided to make the most of what time was still left. We'll take a dip, suggested Molly. If anyone can tell me of any better way to spend the shining hours, let them try. But before we go, suppose we look over the house and see just what damage was done in the storm last night, Will suggested. It sounded like the chimney, but for all we know, the roof may have caved in somewhere. The damage proved to be all with the chimney, however, as they had thought, and the boys insisted upon spending some of their precious time in trying to clean it out. All slipped into bathing suits soon after that and started up the river. Betty ran before them as they reached the dock and flung them a laughing dare over her shoulder. "'Catch me who can!' she cried, and dived as straight as an arrow into the gleaming water. There was a shout as the rest followed, and a wild scramble in pursuit of Betty—' Alan reached her first, as was eminently fitting and proper, and wore her off triumphantly. The others followed, swimming lazily, laughing and shouting at each other, revelling in the warmth of the sunny water. It was hard to tear themselves away at last, but trains and low cases and jobs wait for no man, as the boys and girls too must reluctantly acknowledge. I don't want to go home, Betty admitted once more, back in the house, and packing her things and Alan's. This morning was like the dear old times back again. Did anyone see my hairbrush? Amy handed her the required article. You and Alan are coming back next weekend anyway, aren't you? Pleaded Amy. Betty reluctantly shook her head. I'm afraid not, though I'm crazy, too. Did you hear those dogs barking last night? She broke off to ask regarding her companions curiously. Did we hear them? Repeated the girls and proceeded to tell Betty how they had been disturbed, by that weird serenade ever since their arrival at Foaming Falls. Betty was interested. "'Sounds queer to me, to say the least of it. Made me think of Mr. Waggs last night,' she added pensively. "'I can't get that little dog out of my mind, girls, nor the mystery of his disappearance.' "'How about Hesper?' sighed Irene. "'I don't think I shall ever get over his loss.' They were interrupted by Alan calling. Betty answered that she would be down in a moment. It had been decided that Molly would drive the boys down to the station at Foaming Falls, thus accompanying Betty and Alan that far on their trip. Before he went, Will made an opportunity for a word alone with Amy. i thought of what she said about there being other chances,' he said in husky whisper. "'I'm going to make that come true, Amy, if only to justify your faith in me.' He was surrounded then, and hurried into the car by main force." But there was time just the same for him to catch the look in Amy's eyes. He thought of it, and what it might possibly mean for him all during the long ride home. It seemed lonesome in the old house, after the departure of Betty and Allen and the boys. "'If we only could have kept Betty,' Grace mourned. "'If I didn't like Alan,' she vindictively kicked a stone into the water as though to show what she might do to that young man were he not protected by her liking." this was the next day and the girls were walking in the woods the tramp was a nameless one they had been canoeing but had left one of the boats hidden on the banks upstream feeling suddenly tired of the water amy had insisted upon staying in the other canoe you go and take your hike she insisted i must admit i am too lazy all i want is to sit here and let the current do the work now as the girls walked slowly along the river bank in the direction of the falls They saw something small and light bobbing upon the restless surface of the water. The sight was unusual enough to chain their attention immediately. No small craft ever ventured on this part of the river. The occupant of the canoe seemed suddenly to awaken to this fact to become conscious of danger. The paddle rose and fell swiftly in an attempt to swing the canoe in toward shore. Grace said suddenly, in a queer, feigned voice, "'Girls! That girl in the canoe is Amy!' End of chapter 22